Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Outtake episode from Hobby Hotline last Saturday on with Victor Roman and Brad Bethune handling the switchboard, plugging in to see what comments get airtime. Great group, lots of stimulating questions, comments about the summit, which I had just come back from, and there was some misinformation about that. I wanted to set the record straight. Also, some conversation about the effects of Hurricane Ian, especially for our friends in Florida. And then some more discussion about the National, which is now <laughs> a couple months behind us, but we're 10 more months to go for another National. So thanks, Brad and Victor, and all those who listened in. I highly recommend just checking out Hobby Hotline in its entirety. When I'm on, I try to see if there's anything that comes up that I haven't already talked about. So that's what this is. So thanks, everybody. And here is the discussion. Dr. Beckett, how was your week? It was great. Monday, I was at the Industry Summit. It was well attended. There's been criticism that people wanted to come, but they have to line up the room and the prize bags and all that stuff well in advance. And this was a record attendance. And yet they could have sold some more tickets, but they got to cut it off because of the size of the room, the prize bags, the program was all set. A lot of good people there, mostly retailers, a lot of card shops, a lot of LCS and online retailers. This people, it was a, definitely a B2B conference. Now that I'm back, there's criticism. There should have been more people there. Or why weren't some other entities in the industry there since it's billed as an industry summit? But I'm sure they invited everybody. But if PSA doesn't want to come to the Beckett Industry Summit, I'm not mad at them. It's their choice. But Fanatics was there really big. Panini was there. Fanatics had a lot of uh, airtime and excited about what they're going to do to grow the industry. Certain comments you read on social media, even things that are said by other content creators, that the industry summit was nothing but a good old boy network type thing or nothing but a bunch of old people. But it is advertised as an industry summit designed for the business element of the hobby. Being that I'm on the 50-yard line of life, I've been labeled as an old guy myself, but old guys are actually a big part of this hobby. And if you look at it historically, old guys are really the main bane of the hobby. The old guys used to be the ones with all the money, maybe not yeah. so much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I can see both sides of why PSA would be there. They're not necessarily hurting for money. So <laughs> why would they need to be there and stretch out looking for business or looking well, the, for partnerships? Brad, there's an important distinction. Anybody can get a ticket and show up and sit in the audience. But if you remember the discussion about the Mint Collective, which was curated and the speaking slots were determined by Christina Thorson of Card Ladder fame. And they were there at the Industry Summit, Chris McGill, and I didn't see Josh, but Chris and Christina and Chris's brother were there and they were filming and they were wandering around and doing stuff. But again, if it's the Beckett Industry Summit, they're going to get to determine, Ted Barker, who gets up with the microphone. So PSA could come, but if they're not going to get a chance to speak to the whole group, which I'm not saying they would or wouldn't, but to me, that's probably their determination why they wouldn't go if they're just sitting in the audience. 
Because they can do that at a card show. They can go to a big show and wander around. And like I say, Card Ladder was there. And that's part of Collector's family of companies. I would think they might want to be there to see possibly some different technology or possibly some sort of new partnership that might be available out there. And by not choosing to go, that's closing that door or not giving them that opportunity to see different things. I hate to speak for them, (laughs) but let me just say this. They are in a dominant position, Brad. They don't need to knock on anybody's doors. They don't need to go hunting for business. They have all the business they can handle. People are knocking on their doors. So they don't need to create greater awareness for their product. It's not that they don't believe in the industry. They're very bullish on the industry. But if they look at the cost benefit of going to the show and supporting Beckett Media, they chose not to. And I don't think they made any big stink about it. Like I said, Chris and Christina were there circulating around. So I wouldn't make a whole lot about that. But basically, this was not like the Mint Collective where you were circulating and trying to meet these startups and all that. 80% were retailers, local card shops, and uh, they weren't these tech startups. There were a few of them there, and they had booths out in the surrounding area, but it was mainly to help the retailers in the industry figure out how they're going to continue to be successful in a changing market. That's how it started back in the industry summit of the Kit Young days of Hawaii. It it was old guys, the veterans, because there wasn't as much new blood back in the day, but they'd always scholarship in a bunch of card shops to come over to Hawaii. The distributors were very active. GTS even was very active at this. That's the legacy of this show. It's not a consumer show. In fact, the card show, I don't think, did very well. I just wanted to extend a heartfelt shout out to those affected by Hurricane Ian. I did a couple of purchases on eBay over the past week that had to be canceled due to folks being affected by the hurricane. And just heartbreaks. I can only imagine I'm sitting here and (laughs) I'm thinking, man, what if a hurricane came through here? How horrible would I feel if I lost my collection to a hurricane or whatever catastrophe? Anybody in Florida would have wished they had their cards in a vault that was super secure. If you were a collector in Florida and you were in Fort Myers and your house was demolished, your graded cards, are they floating away? Your regular cards are soaked and beyond repair, but a graded card, does it float? I would have heeded the recommendation to evacuate days in advance And my PSA cards, indeed, would have been part of the packing up and let's go type of thing. It's another argument for having a smaller collection. The old guard wanted to have a large collection with lots of complete sets. You can't evacuate all that stuff. You can evacuate a Pelican case, a Zion case. Interesting comment that you'd have ample time to leave the area with your clothes. Who cares about clothes? (laughs) (laughs) I'm wearing the clothes that I have on. I'm taking my cards and heading to Atlanta. Yeah, make sure you're insured properly. Your regular insurance isn't going to cover your cards anyway. You're going to have a special insurance policy for your collectibles. Another topic here, Victor, about the Chicago Sports Spectacular. 
where they had two trade nights in two separate locations. They're having one Friday night between 9 p.m. and 12 a.m. And they're going to have that one at the Double Tree directly across the street where Gibson Steakhouse is at. And then the following night, Saturday, they're going to have a trade night that starts at 6 p.m. and it's going to go all the way to 11 p.m. But that one is not at Doubletree. It's at the Embassy Suites, which is also across the street. Is this a cue for the National? Maybe they're trying to figure things out on how they can make this smoother to where they're not flooded with people, but splitting it up between two hotels I found rather interesting. So we'll see how that all unfolds. I thought at the National, last time I was in Chicago, there were simultaneous many trade nights at a lot of these hotels that were close by anyway. My question is, at midnight, when everybody leaves, if they even do leave at midnight, if they even leave, yeah. how, much, <laughs> how much cleanup is required? Because it's got to be amazing with people all over the place, moving yeah. things around. But I think it's dynamic, it's exciting, and I think it's a big draw. It shows They're that. trying to bring some kind of ordinance to it. Because the last time it was in Chicago, it was pretty chaotic. So I'm sure they're going to be more properly staffed this time around. (laughs) I'm not a fan of regulation. The only regulation I want to see is fraud. If somebody's doing something bad, I want them put in jail. So over-regulating the trade nights, I'm not in favor of that. I think the fact that it's so dynamic and so chaotic is part of the fun. Otherwise, it's just like an after-hours card show. It needs to have that dynamic. I can envision in Chicago, if we fast forward 10 months, is that there are going to be people in communication from Mm -hmm. these various trade nights that are all within less than a square mile. And they're going to be people videoing and showing things. I think there's going to be people going back and forth. Now, it's going to get late at night. And if they're drinking, they're going to maybe make some bad decisions. But they're going to have fun with it. The dynamic aspect of trade night is that you just don't know. We're on Bench Clear Media now, which I think is great. I like Mike and Ty and those guys, and I think they do a great job. But Mike is always talking about when he goes to the National, his other vintage buddies are aware of what he's looking for. And they will text him or direct message him yep. to, hey, get over here because somebody's got something that you want. I'm keeping an eye on it for you. Do you want me to pick it up? So there's a close-knit group of at least vintage collectors that I think look out for each other. So at a trade night, if that stuff's there, they're going to communicate. I think that could be happening to a great degree as people collect together, because that's not a random act of kindness. There's nothing random about it. It's I know what Brad is looking for. If I see it at a trade night and Brad's not there, I'm going to message you and say, hey, do you want me to pick it up for you? Do you want me to trade for it? I think that'd be exciting. Yeah. Why is the National always in Chicago? It's not always in Chicago, but it's every other year in Chicago because I think it's recognized as the best place. But the bylaws require that the National move at least two states away. That's why it can go from Illinois to Ohio. There is a board elected by the table holders. The board vets the sites, then they either present the slate to the dealers, or in the old days, they would say, hey, do you want to go to Cleveland or you want to go to Chicago? And it'd be a vote of the dealers that had priorities above three or whatever. I don't know the exact rules, but dealers from past nationals were getting a chance to vote. It wasn't just one person and these three guys that have taken over the national. They're going to be working within the bylaws. 
But I do hope they'll move it around even more because there's got to be a way to get it in some other locations. I'd love for it to be in Chicago a lot of the time, but as a true national, I'd like to see it not always be in Chicago. And I'm not at the point where it can never be in Atlantic City because I really do think it should be on the East Coast more frequently. But Atlantic City, if just there was a way to take that convention center, which is excellent, and teleport it (laughs) to Philadelphia or someplace that's easier to get to and that's safer, I'd be happy. The National, I think, is in good hands. They could do a better job of communicating that this is of the people, by the people, for the people, the dealers. The collectors don't get a vote, but the dealers do, the ones setting up. The corporates don't get a vote. It's just the dealers. This new leadership, the new three guys, they're all East Coasters. They all have experience. And I'm hoping they'll listen to good ideas that are coming out. Anytime you get the Dallas Card Show and Kyle's name out, I'll definitely do that. (laughs) Kyle doesn't want to do that, Brad. Kyle wants to do his own show. That is very true. Kyle can do a show and call it the Southwest National or something. Kyle is very entrepreneurial. But a lot of the promoters do not want to work with a committee that's telling them what they can and can't do. I see Kyle continuing to improve his shows, and I just think his formula really works because it's not heavy on the corporates. When you have the corporates there, like at the National, the room is all of a sudden more than twice as big, and you've got these really big hitters, these really large companies that are telling you what they want. It's way different than a dealer saying, hey, I don't like my table location. <laughs> the man in the house of cards. The man in the house of cards. The man in the house of cards. Is too-